Can a blind person guide a blind person? Jesus asks a very stupid, obvious, but also a very telling question to us in the gospel today. Blindness does not lead to sight. Blindness promotes greater blindness. Can a blind person guide a blind person? Will they not both fall into a pit? And so Jesus challenges us in the parable that we just heard. Who is it that is helping us see? Who is it that charts the course as we go through life? Is it us? Is it our culture? Is it him? Can a blind person guide a blind person? Who is it that we are looking to to give us sight and to chart our way? The last three popes of the Catholic Church, Pope St. John Paul II, Pope Benedict XVI, and Pope Francis, have all highlighted the same thing as the greatest source of spiritual blindness plaguing Western nations and peoples in this day. And St. John Paul II, Pope Francis, and Pope Benedict XVI have all rightly identified that the greatest source and form of blindness facing Western peoples today is the philosophy of relativism. Now, anytime we hear this word philosophy, sometimes we just like shut down and we're like, oh no, it's 7.30 and Father's time. No. What is a philosophy? A philosophy is a way that people think that forms how they live. And most of us have philosophies, all of us have philosophies that guide our life and our lifestyle. But a lot of times we don't really think through how is it that we live. We're just kind of, you know, well, the Bible says this, or I think this, or uh, whoever in our, is, is uh, in control of our culture says this, so you know, therefore we follow it. But we want to highlight today relativism. What exactly is it? Relativism is a very popular philosophy in Western nations and peoples today that basically says all forms of truth, especially in the realm of morality, meaning right and wrong human behavior, all forms of truth, especially moral truth, cannot actually be known or we can't come to a consensus about what it actually is. In other words, who we are, how we ought to live, all of those big truth statements that would govern our human lives are a matter of subjective thinking. In other words, a matter of opinion. What I do with my life, who I am and how I live, it's just a matter of opinion, and I can decide for myself what is true or false, what is right or wrong. I don't think we need to look very hard in our culture today to find places where this way of thinking and this way of living is championed. And so what are our popes telling us if St. John Paul II, Pope Benedict, and Pope Francis are all telling the children of Western nations this is the greatest form of spiritual blindness? We want to really pay attention to that and think about where is it in my life, because all of us have it, including Catholic priests, where is it in my life that I tend to start operating as if there is no truth? And I can decide for myself what is true and not true, what is right for me and wrong for me. Now, Jesus tells us that if we really want to pay attention, we really want to think about in the gospel today, whether or not a thought, a word, an action, whether or not something comes from him, he actually showed us what's the greatest way to discern whether or not Jesus is leading in a particular area of our world. And he says, it's very simple. What do we do? Look for the fruits. Look for the fruits. Good trees produce good fruits. 
Bad trees produce bad fruits. By their fruits, you will know them. And so this mentality in our world today that says, I can decide for myself what is true or not true. I can decide for myself what is right or not right. We want to really think through, where does this lead? What are the fruits that this way of thinking produces in lives and in cultures? And so the first way that we can kind of think about this then is, what happens to me? Why is it that I would choose to live as if I am the source of truth and I can decide for myself what is true or not true, what is right or not right? Why do I do that? Father Luke does do that sometimes. Why do I do that? I do that because I want a cheap and an easy life. I want the cheap and the easy. Why? Because I'm dumb. But I don't think I'm unique in the church today. I think a lot of us find that cheap and easy lifestyle very attractive. And I think we live in a culture that really champions and celebrates and praises the cheap and the easy life. But brothers and sisters, here's the problem. The cheap and the easy way does not lead to greatness. It does not lead to victory. If we were going to go and play a football game of happy memory, remember football? Wow, several weeks ago. If we were going to go and play a football game and our coach told us, you know what, let's just, let's do the cheap and the easy. And you all decide for yourselves how you want to prepare. You don't really have to put in any effort if you don't want to. You do you. What's going to happen to that team? I would posit that it probably is not going to become great. And it probably is not going to attain the heights of victory. The cheap and the easy life is not the one that leads to heroic love, nor is it the one that leads to greatness. And so we want to pay attention, okay, the mentality that says, I can decide for myself what is true and not true, that does not lead to the authentic human life. That does not lead to heroic love. That does not make me the fullness of who God made me to be. How else does, can we maybe think about this way of thinking and living? I can decide for myself what's right or wrong, what's true or false. Where does that lead in our world today? When each individual person is able to do that, where does that lead? I think the word that we would use very quickly is chaos. If it's right for some people to rob banks, but it's wrong for others. If it's right for some people to drive 180 down row, but it's wrong for others. That's going to lead to a world that is very, very chaotic. And our God has come not to produce chaos in this world and in the lives of his children. Our God has come to produce freedom and peace and order. The fullness of living. Brothers and sisters, perhaps the greatest fruit of the tree of relativism that we really want to pay attention to is the fruit of self-reliance. When I get to start playing God... That means that I can push God out of my life, that I have no need for him, because I can make myself God and decide for myself what is true or not true, what is right or not right. And let's back up thousands of years in salvation history and say, now, okay, this notion that we could make ourselves just like God and we could decide for ourselves what is true and not true, what is right and not right, where did that come from? Can we think in salvation history that first time that that thought was planted? Who planted it? The enemy of human life and the enemy of human freedom. And he planted that in the Garden of Eden, right? When he told Adam and Eve, did God really say that? You can push him aside and you can become just like God by eating this fruit. What would it look like 
if nations and peoples chose to become just like God. I think that it would look like peoples and nations celebrating that they could decide for themselves the way to life, the way to truth, the way to love. And perhaps the greatest fruit that we should see, that we should all be readily aware of in our world today, of the immense pain and suffering that this way of thinking and living embraces, is by us calling to mind what we have witnessed in the last several days, in seeing one nation attack and invade another. And I find it very interesting that all of the talking heads, whether they be heads of state, cultural icons, whoever it is in Western nations, all of a sudden are telling us that this is wrong. That nations should not attack other nations. That nations should not invade and do these things. And I think this really begs the question for all of us, brothers and sisters, who is it that is charting the course in our thinking and living? Because some of the loudest voices in our culture today that are championing relativism, that are telling us, you can decide for yourself what is right or wrong, what is true or false, those same voices have now in the last three or four days started telling us, no, there actually is right. There actually is wrong. And Russia, you are wrong for invading, for invading the Ukraine. Brothers and sisters, we can't have our cake and eat it too. Either this way of thinking and living is true or it's not true. And in the face of evil, we find real fast that relativism holds no weight. That if relativism actually were true, all of us would have to adopt that mindset that says, Vladimir Putin, you can do you. Who are we to tell you what to think or how to behave? Brothers and sisters, we do not live in a world where relativism is true. Truth is not some abstract concept that lies outside of our thinking. And truth is not something that we are the masters of. As Christians, we believe that our God is truth. That Jesus Christ, the Lord of life and the Lord of history, the one who is himself the teacher, has come to enlighten the hearts and the minds of the children of God. And he has come to reveal to all of us the fullness of his Father's love. But in order for him to be able to do that, he needs access to our lives and our hearts. And so Jesus challenges us today. Are we willing to be his lights to this nation? To live a life that shows that there is truth. And truth does lead to the fullness of living and the fullness of loving. And that truth is found not in some abstract philosophy or college history course. Truth is found here at the altar in the person of Jesus Christ the eternal word who has come to set his people free. And so at this Mass, we pray for the grace to be increasingly convicted that we live in a world of objective truth and that that truth is our friend, that he is our guide and he is our God who has come to enlighten hearts and to lead us out of the darkness and blindness of our age and into the glory of his Father's love.